Welcome to the Develop in the Dark podcast, brought to you by New Spring Church. We'll prepare you with biblical truths to help you meet the demands of your reality. Hi, friends. Welcome to Develop in the Dark. I'm your host, Trevor Cox, Teaching Ministry Director at New Spring Church. I'm going to be joined by Lead Pastor Brad Cooper. He and I are going to discuss in this episode timeless biblical truths essential for developing an everyday relationship with God. Today, we're confronted with flimsy, shaky beliefs, and we want to get down to this idea of reviving doctrine in the church. How did we get to this moment in our history, and what do we do moving forward? We hope this podcast is going to bless you as you develop in the dark. Hey friends, welcome to Develop in the Dark. We're so excited to be with you. I'm Trevor Cox. This is my friend Brad Cooper. Hey everybody. Hope uh, you're ready. We are. Man, we're, we're pumped. This podcast, the whole idea behind it really came through this phrase, Develop in the Dark. That's a phrase you've been saying for a long time, Brad. Yeah, let me introduce the phrase to you because I think it's helpful. Youth pastor for a lot of years. Mm. And one of the things that stood out to me in Scripture, Trev, was Jesus has one image of himself, basically from birth to adulthood, right? from the time of the wise men, way back early on in the Gospels, to the time of John the Baptist baptizing him, mm. which is at 30. You only see Jesus one time. Right, when he's 12? 12, and he's in the temple. Mm. And here's where the develop in the dark comes from. When his mom and dad find him, they find Jesus sitting and asking questions. The scriptures actually record that he grew in wisdom, stature, and favor. Mm. And as a youth pastor for a lot of years, I leaned into this reality that you don't see Jesus for 90% of his life. He lived for 33 and a half years, and 30 years of those were in absolute darkness. Wow. But the one image you do have of him is this image at 12 of him asking questions. So developing in the dark really is a tip of the hat to the way Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor. And now as a dad, it's one of those things I try to lean into my kids a lot. And uh, I've got a firstborn specifically who loves to have all the answers. Mm. And I don't know if you're like that, Trey. I've been there before. Yeah, you turn, a, you, turn your paper in first. You got it's, Everything's a competition. Everything's, everything's got to be first. Yeah. yeah, I've been there. And so one of the things, even as a parent, you're taught to, you know, hey, what'd you learn at school today? But instead of asking your kid, what did they learn today? We've really leaned into asking our daughter, what questions did you ask today? Great, great. That that's the posture of development. Sit and ask questions. And... Now, as pastors, we want you, us, to grow in wisdom, stature, and favor. We want you to develop in the dark. We want you to ask the right questions. That Jesus was never intimidated by questions. He actually led as a rabbi in a lot of ways by prompting people to ask questions. And so this podcast is really about getting around the right questions, growing in the right way, so that when we are in the light of day, or when we are exposed by the light, that we're Mm. not exposed for frauds. That's beautiful. Our hope really is to move people from a Sunday reality of their faith to this everyday reality. We talk about it all the time. We know that people uh, who come to church every Sunday, they're going to spend about 25 hours a year hearing a message. Right. But if we could get folks at home digging in, developing in the dark, man, what a dynamic faith we could see people building. Yeah, and I think a lot of people have seen the hypocrisy in the the life of folks that just make it to church on Sunday. 
if you got perfect attendance and you sit in your church service and you've had flawless attendance, you still only catch about 50 hours a week. Mm. But it's really the folks that have an everyday relationship with Jesus, which is what we were intended for. Yeah, 50 hours a week if you come for the whole service, 25 if you just catch the yeah, message. 50 a year. That's yeah. right. Yeah, right, right. So, you know, as we think about this first season of podcast, we're really diving into these ancient truths with modern applications. That's really the focus of what we're trying to do. Our world needs everyday disciples to be rooted and grounded in the foundations of their faith. So we're going to be throwing around things like theology and doctrine and orthodoxy. Yeah, don't let any of these words scare you. Exactly. Um, What we're really hoping for you is that we can really help you develop a sure foundation in who you are, who God is, and that you could live in the world in such a way that you could be a light for the world. So, you know, as you think about this idea of developing in the dark and being ready I'm reminded of the old school church potluck, and uh, I don't know if you had those old school church potlucks. Yeah, or we not. had them. My favorite one, the annual summertime potluck. Yeah, it was at the local public pool, and we did a big baptism service, and everybody brought their best dish, and yeah. we ate until we went home just full. Yeah, I mean, and we, uh, for us, it was this, these homecoming services where okay. you'd have singers come in, whatever. So here's the thing that you got to know about these these moments. They had special styrofoam plates. You remember the sectional plates? Yeah. And, and they were sturdy plates mm-hmm. because they held a lot. Now, what you didn't want to do is come in with those cheap, paper-thin plates because you just couldn't, you couldn't put anything on it. They can't handle the voluminous amounts That's of right. mac and cheese that Praise I'm going to throw Lord. on my That's plate. That's right. Praise the Lord. So all that to say, you know, we need a faith that will meet the demands of the reality that we're placing on it. And yeah, got to hold the weight. It's got to hold the weight. So whether it be good news coming in, whether it be bad news coming in, you're wanting a plate, right? Your life to be uh, you know, such a vessel that whatever comes into it can withstand the weight. And so that's why we're going to be diving into doctrine. You know, Timothy was a young pastor, and Paul talked to Timothy and said to him, hey, watch yourself, watch your doctrine carefully, because it'll save both yourself and your hearers. Yeah. How, imp- how that's important. That's a double-edged sword, isn't Man, it? Man, it is. And so you think about this idea of recovering doctrine, recovering theology for our church. We know that you and I both have a heart for theology, and theology in the church. Yeah, and we're a little bit nerdy about it, but here's what I want everybody to know. We're all theologians. That's right. Every one of us. Every one of us has thoughts about God. Even if you're sitting here saying, man, I'm, I'm not a Christian even. I don't, I don't know. You and I all have thoughts about God, which is what theology is. The real question that we've got to really wrestle with is, are we good at theology? Mm. And hopefully through these podcast episodes, these seasons, and the questions you're going to be asking, you're going to get better at it. That's and right. it's okay to start from wherever you are, but we want you to have a sturdy enough plate to handle the, the volume of life so that you can look at it and go, man, I have a theology that can meet the demands of reality because yep. life's coming. That's you know, right. Life's coming. Sickness is coming. Death is coming. Political seasons are coming. Your football team losing is coming. Having kids, getting married, going to retire, whatever yep. it is, life's coming. That's right. We're going to also throw a ton of resources at you. Yep. We'll, we'll put those in the show notes and that sort of thing. Already, we've got a quote from Francis Schaeffer. Our our faith needs to meet the demands of reality. Yeah. And also Francis Schaefer. Francis Schaefer. And then we also have already quoted our, our good friend R.C. Sproul. Yeah, we have. Everyone's Everybody's a, a theologian. That's right. <laughs> he has a book by that same title. So we're going to be throwing lots of those kinds of things in the show notes. So catch that. You know, as you think about this idea of building this everyday faith, many of us don't know 
the content of our faith. Yeah. And that is really a product of where we are in a kind of a cultural church moment. Yeah. We're the products, I like to say, we're a downstream consequence of where we sit in our church culture. And so we want to talk about that a little bit today. Yeah, let me give you a phrase, Trev, that's been helpful. And it's a bit of an earworm, but I think when you grab a hold of this handle, you're going to see it and recognize it and see it everywhere, and you're going to recognize it in your own life. The phrase is chronological snobbery. Yep. Chronological time. And then everybody knows what a snob is, right? You, you got your nose and you're looking down at everybody That's else. Right. But it was a phrase first coined by C.S. Lewis. Chronological snobbery was something that Lewis looked at back in the 1900s, and he would talk about that it's our tendency, wherever we are in life, to think we are at the pinnacle of what time is offered. So in human any, human experience, yeah, the in, pinnacle of experience. In anything that you're doing, music, entertainment, sports, fitness, nutrition, science, education, governance, it is our tendency to think that right here and now is the most elite of all history. Right. We actually look back at history old and we think it's antiquated and old and we have this view like that 200 years ago everybody was just a caveman. Mm. And they were primal. That really, when you're honest, Trev, I'm looking at you. You're a you're a musician, a mm. trained musical person, right? You taught right. music. A little known fact about my in, co-host in, here. in the 1900s. Yeah. You said 1900s a minute ago, like it was it was you know, another, ancient history. It was a millennia ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. last millennia. But here's the reality: when you think about music, many times we think we're at the pinnacle of music. Mm. But I would just suggest that we aren't. That there was actually other seasons hundreds of years ago, where music was amazing, where names that we all know, Mozart, Beethoven, Bach, Mm. these names were writing unbelievable full-on symphonies, Mm. and we're never going to be there. But we have a tendency to think that the music we're making today is the best there ever was. Best there ever was. Mm. And that's the that's it's not that it's not new, it's not that it's not entrepreneurial or pioneering, it's just we have a tendency to think it's the very best of all music. Mm. And we do this for everything. We do this in architecture. I come out of a construction world and no subtweet of any modern architects, but go back and look at the renaissance, at the architects what they were building and how they were designing buildings, Mm. sparing no expense, the Sistine Chapel, these beautiful things that were created. And now we build these flat, Mm. ultra- Concrete. Yeah. Mm. The same is true about theology. We can have a tendency to think that our theology, our thoughts on God today, are actually at the pinnacle of human existence. Mm. But really when you face yourself and when we face ourselves, there's actually been some brilliant human thought about God that have happened over and over again from folks that have come and gone. From the beginning of Christianity, really. And, and we could yeah. learn from them. I think this is what Jeremiah was really getting at when he said this in Jeremiah 6, 16. Stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your soul. Mm. So there's some brilliant truths of old that aren't antiquated, that are actually transcendent. We need to grab a hold of, and it might help you, wherever you are in your journey and your thoughts about God, find ballast, find Mm. comfort, find safety and shelter for your life. And in a moment of question asking, we just want to offer that up. So now we're going to talk about the water we're swimming in. That's right. You know, I think a lot of that idea of thinking that we're at the pinnacle has to do with the idea that from a technological standpoint, we're advancing 
right, as you move through time. And we are sitting kind of in a post-enlightenment, but also post-industrial moment where, yeah, we've got all these amazing advances in technology. Like, wow. But the idea of these older, ancient believers and the truth that they brought forward it's crystal clear. It's clean thinking, and we need to reach back and grab some of these guys. And they've, they've been asking the same questions that have been recycled in human history, and they have gotten to some fantastic conclusions. And so I just want to say one of the big moments for me in my journey with the Lord is just the self-awareness when somebody opened up my eyes to the reality that we are not on the pinnacle That's of right. theological thought mm. and that things and thoughts about God have been thought and we can glean from them. And if we can lean into the humility Beautiful. and the posture of sitting and listening, asking questions of some of these old saints, That's we it. could gain some brilliant truth for our right here and now. You know, in the church world, we're sitting in kind of a downstream consequence yeah, as well. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. And, and just think about the idea of where we are related to all the things that have come before us. 2,000 you know, years. 2,000 years. I think about these mo- these church movements going all the way back to the Protestant Reformation yeah. and what that has done has done for us and has done to us, we need an awareness of that, don't we? Yeah, let's get a little bit of context. And so if you've leaned in at this point to this far, one of the things that you've got to understand is fish don't know they're swimming in water. Mm. And so I don't think many times we understand what we're swimming in. You've, you've right. said this downstream consequence. That's but let's right. back up 500 years. The Protestant Reformation occurs. Up until that point in time, there was basically one church. The Reformation, and we're not going to go into the deep history, and all of these movements we're going to talk about were fantastic, mm. but they had a they had a shady underbelly that causes us to be swimming in those waters today. So the fantastic part of the Protestant Reformation is people got back to the scriptures. They really got around the doctrine. Every man got to begin to read the Bible in their own heart language. Which was a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. So Gutenberg, the printing press, there was this huge movement with Wycliffe and Tyndall to get the Bible in every farmer's hands. That's right. So this is brilliant. But what it did from a downstream side, a shady underbelly, was it caused the church to begin to gather with people that read the Bible in the same language they did. So the positive was everybody got the Bible translated into Dutch or into German or into French, English, Spanish, etc. But then on Sunday, you started gathering with people just like you. So now you have the Dutch reformers and you've right. got the French Huguenots and you've got... Exactly. Yeah. And so what that does now, fast forward for a couple hundred years, and what we see is people get together on Sundays with people that read the Bible just like them. So that's why in a lot of ways you show up at a church and you look around Many churches, everybody that gathers at that church looks the same. Mm. Same ethnicity, same voting block, same socioeconomic, same political persuasion. Just pointing this out because it's the waters we're swimming in post-Reformation, and we're downstream from that. Right. A similar kind of movement is revivalism, right? So you're moving forward hundreds of years here, but the idea of how we view church now coming from a concept of revival. Yeah, so this historical, beautiful thing, these revivals start popping off in England, in Wales, in Scotland, in the Hebrides, across mm. the United States, and you see these great awakenings, number one and number two. But what You these... see Wesley bring it over. Oh, you see Whitfield bring it over. Yes. And amazing, right? Yeah, so it... they're they're bringing this message of the gospel, and a lot of what they were doing, they were, they were responding to the fact that they couldn't really do what they wanted to do in their denomination, 
they're breaking away yeah, so they're stump, to preach they're the gospel. They're on a stump and preaching to farmers or showing up and having these big tent revivals even. Mm. And so revivalism is born. But we need to recognize today we're downstream from that. And so these big proclamations, evangelical proclamations, you even fast forward a little bit, you see in modern day the Moody's and the Billy Graham's, the, the, the big stadium revivals. That's and right. so there is this huge emphasis on salvation, which is brilliant and great, Exactly. but there's a downstream underbelly. The downstream underbelly is we overemphasize the message of just the gospel and just the salvation moment. The conversion moment. The conversion moment, the raising of a hand, the walking of an aisle, the praying of a prayer. And we undersell the discipleship, the whole way to be formed into the image of Christ. I've often been perplexed when I'm reading the Bible and I see a word like salvation and the Bible uses the word salvation in a very broad sense. All the things that God does to bring us to himself. And when we think about salvation, we're thinking about usually conversion, the moment where a person accepts Jesus. So a lot of times you're reading the Bible and it's confusing right? because you're seeing words associated with salvation like sanctification and you're seeing all sorts of things in there. And you're like, wait a minute, I didn't know that had to do anything with you know salvation. But here we are thinking about and wanting uh, people to see salvation is just more than the moment of conversion. It's really, it has to do with everything God is doing to bring us to himself. Yeah. And this is why people look at things like a prayer for salvation and they go, well, Jesus never gave the opportunity to pray a sinner's prayer. Right. Mm. And he didn't. Or Jesus right. never gave the opportunity for folks to, you know, hey, believe in me and don't go to hell. I mean, mm. that wasn't the way he talked. But revivalism, downstream from that, we are swimming in those waters. So it's just good to point it out and recognize it that both the Reformation and revivalism have created some downstream yep. current that we need to. We need and to absolutely, of. we have invitations. We call people to accept the Lord. We call people, we do all of those things, even in our church service. So there's some good things about it. But we've got to be aware. That's of, right. That's of what's right. There. What's the next movement? Well, the next movement I have here is just a Christian education model that gets us all focused on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was, in a a lot of ways, a response to revivalism. And so things like Sunday school, I grew up doing Sunday school, or things like other Christian education forms like, you know, Iwanis. That's right. Or RAs. Were you Mm -hmm. an RHF? Oh, as a royal ambassador, I will do my best to become a well-informed responsible follower of Christ. Yeah, me too. And so this was another big effort into the spiritual forming of, the discipling of, the response to... listen, RAs was a beautiful thing for me. Absolutely. Right? I mean, I learned, I memorized, I remember memorizing Psalm 23 in RAs, the books of the Bible. We just did so much around Christian education, but then there's a flip side of that too, isn't there? Yeah, it it becomes super heady, and Mm. that your salvation is really based on your knowledge. That's right. And so you can feel insecure if you don't have it, or you can feel superior, and you, again, are in a place of pride if you've got it. And Mm. so Christian and following Jesus, the Christian way is to just be super knowledge-based, super heady. And I think also it made a focus, the Sunday experience, so you're coming to Sunday school, or you're getting on a bus and you're coming to the church. And so the everyday relationship sometimes took a back seat to what was happening at the building, Yeah, so that makes sense. Right, so then we emphasize buildings again, which Jesus did a fantastic job of saying, I'm going to tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days, and you are going to become the living stones. So the Mm. church isn't a location. The church is a people. But somehow during this 
focus on education. We made the building primary. What what, what the we church made, was all about. We made about the building again. primary. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm thinking about the movement that you and I were most a part of as younger younger pastors, and that's the seeker movement. Yeah. We're a down we're in a downstream consequence to the the seeker movement, and there's so many great things about the seeker movement. Yeah, and again, I think this is probably where we are at the time of this recording. Much of the church is responding to the seeker movement. I mean, mm. just this year, the Jesus Revolution movie comes out that right. kind of tells the journey and story of how the seeker movement started, mm. but the seeker movement did a great job of taking the traditional church and really focusing on the lost, going mm. after the one, going after those that felt like they couldn't show up to church because they didn't have, quote, their Sunday best, right. or they didn't have a coat and tie. Mm. And so the seeker movement really began with kind of this idea of doing it was anything short of sin. It was beautifully intentioned. Right. I mean, I was a part of it. We had a heart to see people come to come to know the Lord. Yeah. I think about the, the church that I grew up in. I love the church that I grew up in, a very traditionally minded church, but we very rarely saw even guests come to the church. It was very family-oriented and the same families coming. And I was so attracted to this idea that we're opening the doors of our church and all these people that we don't know are coming in. A lot of them come to know the Lord. Uh, it's, it's a fantastically intentioned uh, movement. But at the same time, there was an underbelly to it, right? And so what was purposed as relevance became kind of a giving in to what culture was doing in many ways. Yeah, I'll just add to that and say, if you think about the seeker movement, they were doing everything to reach the lost, but in some ways they forgot that church was about God. Mm. You know, things like purpose-driven church or purpose-driven life, that church was about reaching the lost only. Mm. And And it was a great reminder to the traditional church that, no, we should be reaching the lost. We should be inviting and hospitable to the outsider, but that there was more than church being for the lost, and there was more than church being for the saved. Mm. Church was for God. For God. And so this reconciling of, is church for the sinner or is church for the saint? And the answer is neither. Church is for God. And And when you get it toward God, you get the sinner and the saint. That's right. And so that's really where I believe we are right now in this moment. There is this coming to that we are getting back to a vertical church, Mm. where we are looking to God, and that when you do church for God, His worth, His bless, His glory, His praise, that both the saint receive what they need, and the sinner gets welcomed as well. And so we're kind of in the downstream reality of all of these waters. And that's exactly why, I mean, if you think about being in the downstream consequence of all these movements, that's why we've got to reach back and grab these ancient truths. Um, you know, we're always going to be in a consequence, either a cultural consequence or a church consequence, and we're going to open our hand to methods. You know, we want to try different things. We want to try to reach people in different ways, but we can't just have our open hand. We've got to have a closed fist around some things, right? Some ancient truth, some stuff that has stood the test of time. It's biblical. It's oriented and grounded, because if we don't, we're constantly going to be in a pendulum swing yeah, back and, and forth. Yeah, and flowing. And that's exactly what we're right. seeing right now. And I think uh, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is just to state out loud that what we don't want to do is respond to the cultural reality we're in by just having an open-handed approach to everything. Mm. There are timeless, transcendent truths that we need to close our hand around and we need to be willing to bleed over. That's exactly right. I know that's heavy language, but I'm just saying that is the classic orthodox doctrinal, traditional view. If you want to last for two millennia, 
The church historic has done it. They've closed their hands around some transcendent truths. You know, and as you develop in the dark, we want to help you figure out what those truths are. We want to help, you know, take you back to the scriptures and see some of these truths that are transcendent. It doesn't matter what the cultural wave is. It doesn't matter what the the moment, the cultural moment. These things are going to stand the test of time. So over the next several weeks, we're going to be diving in and we're going to be tackling some of these key essentials. And we're going to talk about things like the revelation of God. How does that work? Jesus is the word of God, but there's the Bible that's the word of God. How does that how does that help us understand who God is? We're going to talk about the characteristics of God. We're going to talk about the Trinity. We're going to talk about what it means to be made in the image of God. And that might be one of the big, big doctrinal things that we're going to talk about this series. Yeah, this season's going to be to try to help us, no matter what comes, we are going to be able to anchor our lives to these truths that have stood the test of time, not just in our cultural moment, yep. but dare I say, in cultural moments that have been even more volatile than the ones we're in now. Right. And so our chronological snobbery says, we're in the most volatile moment. Friend, we are not. Yep. The church has endured. The church has made it, and the church will continue to make it. And so we want to ballast your soul around these truths biblical truths that have carried the day time and time again. That's right. And it it really comes back to that opening illustration, you know, asking the good question. What's the great question? So as you're developing in the dark, what's the question what are the questions you have about salvation and eternity and the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God and Christ's return and all the cultural things that you're seeing? We want to try to get around some of these questions that you're asking because we know you're already a theologian. You're just either good at it or bad at it. We want to help you be good at it. Yeah. And it's, again, it takes humility. We're, we're going to try to to be as humble as we can through the process, but sitting and asking questions of the right people is going to give us the right answer. And we're believing that you guys are going to get on the other side of this and you're going to have grown in wisdom, stature, and favor. And not just that, you're going to be able to grow and help others that are never going to listen to a podcast like this. That's it. But they're asking questions too. That's beautiful. And they're building their life on some realities and you can help them. Well, that's all the time we have for uh, this installment. Uh, We're just so thankful for you. We're so thankful that you're developing in the dark and we want to help you. So uh, join us next time. Going to continue our conversation. Thanks for listening to Develop in the Dark. We hope that today's episode will help the light in you shine brighter than the light on you.